It's been several months since I last stood in a room with a group of people looking forward to my training. But as I look at the calendar, it's actually been only eight weeks, but it feels like a couple of months. Now, I'm not sure when you're listening to this episode. Today is Wednesday, the 20th of May in 2020. And it strikes me that I've never been conscious of time going so quickly and yet so slowly at the same time. So in some respects, or some respect, the time has um, gone quickly because it's now practically June in 2020. But by the same token, things have really crawled because I would normally have been in and out of several cities at this stage. I'd have been perhaps to a couple of countries. I'd have um, really had a couple of really good strong programs behind me at this time of the year. And I'm not used to this. I really am not. And I don't think you are either. For many of us, these are strange times, particularly when we're used to training in different venues, sometimes, as I said, different cities or different countries. And often at this stage, we're also in the pro- in the process of, you know, business development. We've ha- we're having meetings, we're having phone calls, but all that is to some degree on ice. And it's kind of gone for now, at least face to face. And many of us um, are perhaps not used to selling to the extent that we have to now, because we've kind of got used to having retainers where we'll be delivering the same group of programs to the same groups of people year in, year out, to the same companies. But it's not just the delivering of training that has changed. I think the selling of training has changed as well. And I know that many people are not used to having to generate their own business online as much as they have to now. So without pretending to have a crystal ball, which I don't, today we're going to look at some respects or some aspects of the future of selling your training business. This is episode 88, Lucky 88, of the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes. Hi, my name is Mark, and you're welcome to another episode of the Training Business Podcast. This is the show for freelance trainers, for training business owners, people like you and I all around the world. And the goal of this episode and every episode each week of this show is very simple. It's to help you to start to grow and to scale a training business. Now, the audience are training business owners just like you, people who could be coaches, accredited coaches, uh, freelance trainers, sometimes a combination of both. But arguably, you're in the business, as I am, of delivering learning, of accelerating people's performance and doing so in a way that makes a profit for you. This is why it's called the Training Business Podcast. So it's all about the business. Now, I know there are plenty of podcasts on the topic of learning and development and coaching specifically and other aspects of performance acceleration. But I like to think of this as the show for people who love what they do, which is what I do and what you do, hopefully, which is you know, delivering training, but doing so in a way that's not just theoretical, but practical. It's about converting your training skills, your knowledge into programs or workshops, which help to generate money, which help to generate 
training, profit. And every episode of this podcast is either with a guest, as we've had in the last two weeks and we'll have in the next two weeks, but sometimes we have solo episodes. In fact, many episodes this year in 2020 have been solo episodes, but there will be more guests coming. I've lined a couple of guests up in the next couple of weeks, and I'll be bringing those to you. And of course, as you know by now, episodes of the show are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast platforms. So first of all, how are you doing this week? It's lovely to know you're back and listening to this episode of the show. How are things with you? There are signs, I think right now, across the board that in some countries at least, restrictions have been lifted. Shops are opening, some businesses are reopening, although I think it's going to be to a very different world. A couple of times a week, I cycle 16 miles in a particular route because normally I would cycle 16 miles or eight miles out, eight miles back in a particular route. Um, But in the last couple of weeks, there have been police controlling traffic. So I've been going round and round in a circle. And that, I think, could be applied to much of life right now, the feeling that we're going round in circles here. But the police who normally control traffic have disappeared and people are being allowed to extend their journeys more and more. So why do I talk about the word journey today? Because it's the journey into the future. And some of the trainers I've been speaking to are doing okay. They're pretty clear about how the world has changed, what has changed, what will not go back to the way it was. And others in our community of trainers are not doing so well because they're kind of shell-shocked. And many of us, you could say, are perhaps not digitally um, educated or digitally literate insofar as We've been used to training coming to us. We've been used to being able to go and meet people face-to-face and convince them in a face-to-face manner that our business is what they need. But in the absence of that, we've got to become very good at standing out among other people, lots of people, just like us, perhaps doing this better than us, and clarifying their message in a range of digital channels. And many trainers, of course, have no idea what the summer is going to look like because many people as trainers uh, at this stage would perhaps have banked quite an amount of money and that would allow them to have a couple of months off in summertime, which is when much of corporate training kind of quietens down. Many programs, I find, um, run up until, let's say, May, early June, if that, and then coinciding with summer months when schools are off, uh, training kind of takes a backseat, maybe some coaching programs over the summer. I've done some workshops with executives, but much of the kind of corporate classroom-based training, that usually is, um, it's something which is kind of put on ice until maybe late August, early September, and it goes on right through up until, let's say, December, and then starts again January, until May. So that, of course, has to be of concern. Where is money going to come from in the summer months? Because those summer months are sometimes dry months, not just weather, but but literally dry financially. So it's understandable to dread this pause, particularly if the restrictions are being lifted now, kind of too late in a way, because many businesses will shelve their programs until September, if that, of course, is what happens in September. 
And it's hard to say if there will be any on-site training programs in September, because I've heard of quite a few businesses who are now almost writing off 2020 and saying, let's just wait until October or November and then take stock of the situation. So this literally could affect the whole of your plans and my plans for quite a few months to come. The restrictions might be physically lifted, but in terms of business restrictions, it's hard to say where this is going. Everyone at the moment that I've seen online is scrambling to put programs online and deliver programs online. But as I explained last week in episode 87, all about the concept of a VUCA world, volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous, many programs that I've seen are not working online. They're not transferable online, just like that. And it's understandable that people will try to make up that shortfall by taking a program which they have traditionally delivered, I don't know, let's say over the course of a day or a couple of days or a couple of weeks and condense this into a program which can be watched online or or consumed online. And it might work in some circumstances, but I suspect having seen a few examples without sounding critical here, hopefully not sounding like I know everything as I don't, but I think quite a few programs I've seen are just not transferring very well because they're um, they're not designed really for online consumption. People's attention spans are shorter than ever these days. And the statistics are, that I've seen from different sources, that people tend to retain less when there are less, you know, modalities or methods to acquire the information. So in a physical room, you've got someone talking to you, you can see what they're doing, you can perhaps engage with the content in the form of a quiz or an exercise, or some workbook, or some kind of uh, group exercise with other people in the room. There might be some element of role play. But right now, it's very much the case that trainers, if you're delivering online, on camera, are working hard. You have to work hard to keep people's attention because, understandably, people are distracted by their mobile phone or something else. So to keep people focused on a screen for four or five hours consecutively, that's very difficult. And For that reason, it's highlighting the difficulty of making offline work online. And that's just part of the problem. That's the delivery side of things, not not to mention the selling side of things, which we'll come to shortly. But think about that for a moment. Have you recently delivered programs? Did you struggle with the transfer of that information from the offline format that perhaps you're used to delivering? you know, standing up in front of a group of people, to now actually having to maintain the attention of people looking at you, perhaps remotely, more than likely remotely, from their bedrooms or sitting rooms or kitchens, and doing so in a way that achieves the objectives of the program. Now, I can tell you that in the last 24 hours, in fact, no, Monday, today's Wednesday, Monday, I had a group of people for from 9.30 until 20 past four, right through. And these people were people who were new to sales. And I was running a program in conjunction with an apprenticeship scheme for new salespeople. And it really, really, really struck me 
forcefully when I thought to myself, I hope this is not the future of training. I really hope this is not the way that training will go or be for much, much longer. There is, of course, an avenue, and there always will be an avenue, a market for people who need to consume training remotely because you can't be where they are and they can't be where you are. And sometimes you don't want to interrupt their whole day. You simply need their attention for part of the day. And that's exactly how things should work. There are some programs which are literally light touches. We want to perhaps give people a piece of training, some kind of content, as part of a blended approach. But I find right now that most training, if not all training, in the absence of people being face-to-face with their their trainees, being completely online, being completely uh, faceless, in other words, they can't actually see you physically, just your face, that is going to be a nightmare scenario for many programs for a long time to come. So I, I think that a lot of us have to really be careful about what we transfer into the online space programs and workshops which carry our name. Why? Because if they don't work, if they don't work, one, that risks damaging the offline content when things go back to normal. And I mentioned this last week. And the second worry I feel is going to um, materialize is that if we do a good job or a bad job, much of people's view of what constitutes online learning might be stigmatized. People might feel, well, that will not work or didn't work offline. How on earth is it going to work online? Or the training programs we deliver online begin to cannibalize or damage the prospect of delivering them online when restrictions are lifted. So if if I have convinced people that the program which I sold previously for, let's say, $2,000 a day can actually be delivered in, in two, three hours across two days for half the price, how on earth am I going to justify charging the full amount offline again? So these are just some of the worries. But today's topic is really about selling online. And what I've noticed is that many people, apart from being distracted with having to spend their time now creating content which works online or can be delivered online, sometimes either as part of a self-directed program, let's say through Kajabi or Thinkific or Teachable or Udemy, there are four platforms where people create programs and sell them online, Kajabi, Thinkific, Teachable.com, and of course, uh, Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y.com, or perhaps your own website. But how do you actually get people to find your programs in the first place? For a long time, I've been lucky insofar as I've had people fly me into a particular country or a particular city, and I've stood up and I've delivered my program, and sometimes I've given them, as part of that, some kind of pre-learning or blended learning during the program or in between instances of the program. So I might have week one is face-to-face, week two is something self-directed on a platform like Teachable or something on the um, the learning management system of the client company. And then the following week is perhaps another face-to-face session followed by something else. But that's right now kind of kind of skewed because everything I'm doing is online, or at least it has to be if I'm to get people to interact with me and to use my programs. But the thing is, how do I sell in the first place? I don't have the luxury of meeting people now face to face. I've got to stand out. And I think that is the trouble for many of us. 
for a long time we've had people saying that actually the world of sales has changed, the world of selling has changed. And I think that COVID-19 has accelerated that. Remote is now the new normal. Virtual is now the new normal. Will that be the new permanent? I can't say. I'm not sure many of us can say. We're kind of living in hope that that will not be the case because I cannot see myself sitting in front of a laptop a couple of hours a day indefinitely. It's it's kind of debilitating. It's perhaps not to everyone's uh, cup of tea. It's not everyone's mindset to deliver on front of a laptop or a, or a camera. I think delivering remotely, delivering training remotely is fine as part of a larger program, but doing it only online, only remotely, that's not going to be everyone's cup of tea, as we say in my part of the world. So when it comes to selling online, this is where we actually have to pay a lot of attention. So increasingly, I have to look at not just delivering videos online, but selling through videos online, through YouTube or through something else, delivering through landing pages. So having a landing page which you can drive Google traffic to or Facebook traffic to. Um, Understanding how Google ads work, how the Facebook pixel works, how inbound selling works, how can we actually use things like lead magnets, checklists, guides to get people to click on something which puts them into a funnel, which then opens up a conversation, which then allows us to book something with them individually or with their teams collectively. And if you recall the episode two weeks ago, which was episode 86, we had someone on the program called Natasha Villaseca, and her show, or her episode on the show, was all about how she is successfully using something called LinkedIn Sales Navigator, which allows her to find prospects, to identify them, to open up some kind of conversation with them, then to explore their challenges or problems with them, and then to advise them, and then in doing so, get them to maybe take some mini step where they, you know, have her deliver some kind of proof of concept program. And this idea of attracting people into a conversation, exploring challenges with them, perhaps getting them to go through a mini course or get some kind of evaluation and get some feedback from that evaluation, which is what I do with my business, InsideSalesCoach.com, that is called a sales funnel. And I predict that the concept of sales funnels will be crucial for training for a long time to come. Now that people have had a taste of finding trainers, finding coaches, finding training providers online, a lot of what they will perhaps get comfortable doing is looking online for content that attracts them, that they find captivating, they find useful, they find applicable to their world. So that's something that we really have to improve our skills at as trainers, is not just delivering training online, but selling our training online. It's being comfortable having a digital conversation. It's being comfortable finding people and trying to think, how can I actually get that person to give me their email address? Not just take a phone call from me or meet me because that's on ice for now, but actually give me their email address, trust me with their time, allow me to send them an email, allow me to 
convince them of the merits of getting into a webinar with me, of getting their team to sign up to a webinar with me, and then to maybe try some kind of mini course as Natasha's doing, have some kind of success with that program, and then explore, you know, a larger product, a larger self-directed program on one of the platforms I mentioned, like Thinkific or Kajabi or Teachable or something else. So they are just some of the challenges. And this concept is inbound selling. And what I read recently was that 60% of buying decisions, when it comes to making buying decisions, will be made in the minds of the buyer before they ever go out to the market looking for training. So think about that for a moment. 60% of people will educate themselves by looking at your website or reading your checklist or your free guide or watching your videos on YouTube or looking at your posts on LinkedIn or listening to your podcast if you have one or doing something else to get some experience or flavor of what you're offering before they ever actually commit to buying. So that's the future of selling in some respect. People will more and more take action online before they ever want to meet you offline. They will look at your landing pages, your lead magnets, and they will evaluate you sometimes by looking at reviews online. And I mentioned CourseFinder.com and CourseFinder.co.uk in a previous episode in 2020, this year in fact, I think it was, and that was with the CEO of coursefinder.com. And many of these sites are sites which list training providers. So we're not just now faced with the prospect of difficulty in delivering online, as if that wasn't enough. We now have to really become good at standing out online and selling ourselves online. And the program I mentioned, which I delivered on Monday, was sales, 101, effectively, to sales apprentices, people entering the tech industry as salespeople. And luckily enough, they all stayed with me for the whole number of hours, nine point, was it 9.30 until 4.20 on Monday, with a couple of breaks in between. And I'm conscious, of course, when delivering online learning face-to-face, that breaks are essential, and it's important to break up the day in a way that keeps people coming back. Because I've had situations in the past where people have made excuses and they've disappeared. And of course, the implication of that is that people then go back and say, well, this training program wasn't very good if they don't find it captivates them and keeps their attention. So there are a whole range of new aspects to this current situation, not just what things look like now, but what things will look like for years to come. And I've got to think how I can actually not just deliver content when I'm delivering content, but how I can repurpose content. So let's say today's podcast episode becomes maybe an article or a couple of tweets, or it becomes a LinkedIn post or a LinkedIn article. It becomes the subject for a video. So we really have to not just now deliver programs, but in a way deliver them many times over in many different ways, because we're looking for capturing that attention of people who are willing to then give us time because those people are being more than likely hit by people like you and I many times a day. 
they're trying to email them, they're trying to get them to click on their posts, to like them, to watch their videos, to like them, uh, perhaps to share them. And the people who haven't got those digital skills in this new world of virtual selling, remote selling, remote delivery, virtual delivery, I think those people will struggle. So correspondingly, we require to, we, we need ourselves to to be re-educated. We are obviously as trainers, educators, but we now have to really find ways to re-educate ourselves to become digital entrepreneurs, not just people who own training businesses, but people who own media businesses. Think of it that way. We've got to find some way. And you can, of course, outsource this. Some people do that very well. I know a couple of people who literally outsource the whole thing to teams of people offshore or onshore. But by the same token, I don't think that always works because you have to be authentic. You've got to, I don't get someone to record my podcast. This is me. This is what I do. And when I'm delivering the training, I don't outsource that either. And the expression I learned a couple of years ago is that you can't outsource your push-ups. And this is true. At some point, people expect you, if this is what they've been used to until now, they expect you to be the person delivering the training online, not just the person who was previously offline. Now, I'd like to think that things will go back to the way they were to some extent. They more than likely will. But who is still around when that happens or when that comes to pass? I can't say. I think some things are not going to go back to the way they were. What definitely has changed is that selling's changed. We now have to be very good at promoting ourselves across a range of platforms because arguably buyers are now in control. They really are in control. There was a time when we could say, you know, well, I'm the person in the area doing this thing. There's no one else in my area or city or town with this particular unique content or mode of delivery. But now, to borrow a phrase from the title of a book I read about 10 years ago by Thomas Friedman, a contributor to the New York Times, the world is flat the world is flat. We now are finding that people are just as able to buy a program from someone in Germany as they are able to buy a program like it from someone in France or the States or Australia. Because of the click of a button, I don't necessarily worry about where this is coming from as long as it's available and of good quality at a good price. So all of a sudden, your competition in this new world of selling is not just the trainer down the road, it's the trainer across the continent. Now, obviously, there are differences in standards, but I'm now conscious of the fact that unless I do a very good job of not just delivering online, but selling what I do online, the competition is greater than ever. We have to become digital entrepreneurs. We have to become almost media business owners and creating content in a way that catapults us to a position ahead of lots more people than was the case before now. I'm no longer competing with people in Ireland or the UK. I'm now competing with trainers for the same business, people who are based a couple of time zones away. And that's a really scary concept. I now have to be not just, you know, world-class locally, but world-class internationally. I've got to really establish a brand. And that's made me really conscious of my IP, my intellectual property, the, the name I use, which in my case is InsideSalesCoach.com, I've registered that as a trademark in the UK and the US. 
So I'm conscious of the fact that a lot of us now are facing competition from quarters we didn't previously. We have to now become very good at delivering online, which of course is a whole new skill set for many of us, but also selling online. The future of selling online is enormous. The future opportunity, of course, of selling online is enormous. So let me end on a positive note, and it's this. If we can really master selling our businesses online, we can enter new markets. We can find customers who perhaps previously were used to and kind of committed to local providers. We can now, arguably, find businesses across the world through either evergreen content, which means that you have a a program running all the time on a program like Teachable or a, a website like Teachable or Kajabi, your branded products online, which people can access in their own time, or you can reach content or give people content live face-to-face. And the program I delivered just this week was an example of that. So now I'm not worried so much about the content or the customers I would normally have up the road, but now I'm getting comfortable delivering to people offline, people I may actually never meet. And that's a really strange thing for me. Some of the people I'm now training, I more than likely will never ever meet face-to-face. That is kind of, it's a really strange thought. So I'd like to leave you with that thought that there are new dangers in this world of delivering content online, but there are massive opportunities in this new world of selling your training online. Are you prepared for that? Are you ready to do what it takes to reach these new customers, to reach these new markets, and to reach these new business possibilities? I'd like to think so. I'd love to hear your thoughts, and there'll be a fresh episode next week. And next week's episode, if I'm not looking into my crystal ball too further or too far, is with someone who was recently laid off as a learning and development manager. And the reason I invited her on the show was because I want to hear from someone who's just gone through this fresh experience of being laid off. It's not easy. It, it definitely isn't easy. It's happened to me in the past. But in the current situation, what's it like when you've been dropped by an employer and you now really have to think for yourself, where is my next pe- paycheck coming from? What's my next training gig going to look like? And for some of us, this has provided us with time to reflect on those questions and to perhaps change direction. And that's what I'm looking forward to sharing with you in next week's episode, episode 89 of the Training Business Podcast. It's been lovely having you again this week. I look forward to your company in next week's episode of the show. May I ask you to leave a rating on Apple Podcasts because, of course, this helps us to promote the show and to attract guests and listeners to the show. You can find the podcast every single week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and Spotify. And of course, on social media where I'm not as active as I should be and need to be, and I'm going to be very shortly. So thanks for your time today. Until next Thursday, stay safe, stay selling, and keep on going. Bye for now. Thanks once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Go to trainingbusiness.com and subscribe right now to be notified of great competitions, upcoming VIP episodes, and amazing special offers to help you succeed in your training business. See you next time.